I'm Julianne DeLynn Hatton, and you're listening to Faith and Reason on the Mormon Faircast. This series will discuss the Prophet Joseph Smith and the authenticity of the gospel he restored. I'll be speaking with Michael R. Ash, author of the book of Faith and Reason, 80 Evidences Supporting the Prophet Joseph Smith. Good evening, Michael Ash. Hi, Julianne. How are things going? Things are going very well, thank you. You're working on a project right now. Yeah, I actually just finished a project. Some of the listeners out there may be familiar with uh, an anti-Mormon, it was a PDF file that's become kind of gone viral, I guess. It's called, it's referred to as the CES letter and is written by an ex-member who wrote a letter to a CES director, you know, church education system director, with what he terms as basically a bunch of concerns or questions, and basically they're in the form of criticisms about uh, Mormon beliefs. And this has been floating around the Internet for, oh, probably a couple of years now. And every once in a while, I will run into somebody who has, uh, has had their testimony shaken by this letter. And Fair Mormon has produced a, a large section of their wiki has been devoted to this letter and has answered in depth um, the accusations. And uh, Brian Hales has done a very nice uh, job of producing um, a rebuttal to all the specific arguments in the uh, the so-called CES letter. I have produced my own only because the wiki and Brian Hale's piece are, are, are excellent works and, and give a lot of information for somebody that wants to really have in-depth answers to these problems. But I find that there's a number of people that find that the uh, in-depth answers might be a little bit more than they want to dig into and, and might be a little bit overwhelming. And they just want basically some quick responses. Um, maybe they're they're not necessarily on the edge of losing their faith, but maybe they're concerned, and so they would like some short rebuttals and, and just kind of the give me the quick and down and dirty answers to these. And so I produced an e-booklet called Bamboozled by the CES Letter. Why is the CES Letter doing so much damage to people's testimonies? I think that it's mostly because the average member has not really been exposed to some of these uh, issues. And so they might appear troubling on the surface. The average member, quite frankly, has not been exposed to a lot of the faith-promoting things that support Latter-day Saint belief. And hopefully this podcast that you've been doing with me has you know, opened up uh, people's eyes a little bit on it. But, but there are issues out there that can be troubling when they're put into a negative light. And if all you see it is in this negative light, then, you know, it, it might uh, be unsettling for some testimonies. And with the Internet, these types of things, like I said, tend to go viral. And all of a sudden, where many people wouldn't have been exposed to this in, in times past, now it's passed around. And so the, the member that uh, has never heard of some of these things is being confronted by... Uh, these issues from a source that slants it all to make it look damaging to the church. Well, with all due respect to people who do have faith crises, which I do understand and have 
a great amount of sympathy for people who struggle, and certainly we've all had sure. questions, and we'll continue to have questions from time to time. To me, yeah. the CES letter repeats the same things over and over again. Am I wrong in my assessment of that? No, you're absolutely right. Uh, it's, it's, I'm sure done intentionally, but it's, it repeats the arguments, the same ones throughout the booklet uh, at various points to try to drive home the, the ultimate uh, point that the church is false, that Joe Smith was a fraud, that Book of Mormon is fiction, and so forth. Um, and so instead of digging up many times maybe what might be new information... Right, no smoking gun there at all. <laughs> exactly. It's, 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 all old, it's old stuff for, for LDS scholars. Anybody that's been reading LDS scholarship for a number of years is familiar with these arguments, and so it really doesn't mean much. But for, for many members, like I said, that haven't encountered it before, it can look troubling. And, and so my, my booklet, uh, Bamboozled by the CES Letter, I, I try to take a relatively brief and a sometimes humorous approach to these arguments and uh, I, I wanted it to be available for free to anybody that wants it. Um, and so if you go to the Fair Mormon blog, um, there was a post on there just recently when you can download the PDF. If you want it in a Kindle version, if you like to use you know, some of the markup and the synchronization of, that Kindle offers, uh, it is available through Amazon. Amazon won't let me run it for free. They they want to make a profit, and so it's at ninety nine cents. Uh, you know, I, I make like thirty cents from that, so mm -hmm. Amazon's making the rest. But I have no choice on that one. That they they won't allow me to run for free. But uh, some people I know prefer to have it in that format, just because they can go from their phone to their their tablet and back and forth very easily, and even mark up the spots. So if anybody's troubled by it or has. Uh, you know, family or friends that are troubled by it, you can get the, the 99 cent version or the free version from the Fair Mormon blog. And, um, you know, I've had good feedback on it so far. Good. I look forward to reading that. And I'm glad that you used a sense of humor about it. Thank you. <laughs> Let's talk about this week's topic, which is the Udu Aztecan language. First of all, what does that mean? Well, it's um, it's basically a category of language that uh, consists of about 30 Native American languages from uh, the Mesoamerican region. Uh, that they, these languages that have ties and links that go back to Book of Mormon times. And the topic of today's discussion, you know, based on my book uh, of Faith and Reason, is what we might expect to find from uh, the language that the Lehites, Nephi and, and Laman and, and uh, Lehi would have spoken when they came to the New World. Let's talk about that. Yes, yeah, so, so when Lehi came and his family, they would have spoken Hebrew. Mm -hmm. And they would have written, uh, Nephi tells us that they, they wrote in a, in a reformed Egyptian. So in other words, a modified Egyptian. They tried to adapt their Hebrew language to Egyptian script. And, and as we've talked about before, this is not something unusual. This has been done by other cultures in the past. But their spoken language uh, would have been initially Hebrew. Now, studies from LDS scholars indicate, and, and there's hints of this throughout the Book of Mormon that lend support to this, that, that the Lehites would have come to an already populated New World. And so the people living here would not have been speaking Hebrew. They would have been speaking these early Mesoamerican languages. And so the Nephites would have had to adapt their language. 
to you know the, the surrounding culture. Um, sometimes the adaption though can go both ways. We find many times throughout history where uh, larger populations can pick up terms. You know, we have a lot of, in English. We have a lot of terms that come from Italian and German and you know a variety of other sources. And those weren't necessarily always the dominant languages in English. But you know, you, you come into a new um, way of describing things, and certain these terms are latched on uh, from this foreign culture. And there's an LDS um, scholar by the name of Dr. Brian Stubbs. Now, he is an, a professional linguist, and it's important to point this out, because a lot of times amateurs, when you see words that sound or look alike, you think, oh, there must be some sort of connection. And that's not necessarily the case. There's a, a lot of words throughout the world that look the same but don't mean the same thing. But as a professional linguist, he's able to avoid these pitfalls and look at how these uh, languages might be similar. And so he has done a study of the Utu Aztecan language and Hebrew and has found a number of very interesting similarities, uh, similarities that at least indicate there's a possibility that there was a Hebrew language that at one time was present and might have added some words to the uh, early Mesoamerican cultures. And he actually um, was, re his work was reviewed by a Dr. Roger Westcott, and, and he's non-LDS, Professor Emeritus of uh, Anthropology and Linguistics at Drew University. And uh, Dr. Westcott had, had express, expressed, excuse me, very favorable opinion of Stubbs' research. And so we have a non-LDS scholar speaking favorably about an LDS scholar's work trying to tie um, Hebrew into this Uto-Aztecan language. Now, we need to be careful here and understand that this is, work is still tentative. Brian Stubbs has actually uh, published a lot on this and, and keeps finding more and more interesting um, words that, that seem to fit and have the... Um, basically the the background to the word that ties into what uh, how it's used when it's used uh and, and what the words mean a lot of latter-day saints think that that all the early mesoamericans must have spoken hebrew and, mm -hmm. and that's not the, that's not true i mean that that's that's kind of a myth mm -hmm. and that goes back to a time when most latter-day saints believed that the entire americas were populated by uh, lehites and lamanites and they were the only ones here right. um <laughs> Yeah, and so from a realist, realistic standpoint, it, it's very feasible to think that they might have introduced some words into a, these languages that have survived. And that is what Brian Stubbs' uh, work seems to be indicating. And uh, like I said, he, he's uh, um, actually found a, a number of parallels that are, that are fairly striking. So this is one of those evidences that we're going to find out more later, probably. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it, it's always, uh, you know, it, it's not proof. And even if, and we have to be careful to note too, that even if uh, all the non-LDS linguists agreed that there was a Hebrew um, subculture that introduced languages into the Uru Aztecan, that doesn't prove that there were Lehites here. Okay. Uh, that proves that somehow there was a you know, group of Hebrews that came here. You know, it doesn't bring forward that uh, Lehi existed or Nephi existed. Mm -hmm. um, but that ties into, that's just one more evidence. When we compile these evidences, and it's just one more um, 
you know, brick in the wall, so to speak, to build on all the evidences that support the Book of Mormon, this is another one that uh, just strengthens the argument that Joseph Smith really did translate a book based on uh, ancient Hebrews that came to the New World. Thank you, Michael Ash. Thank you, Julianne. Thanks for listening to Faith and Reason on the Mormon Faircast. I'm your host, Julianne DeLynn Hatton, inviting you to keep the faith. Michael R. Ash is the author of the book, Shaken Faith Syndrome, Strengthening One's Testimony in the Face of Criticism and Doubt, as well as the book of Faith and Reason, 80 Evidences Supporting the Prophet Joseph Smith. Faith and Reason is produced by Tom Hatton with music courtesy of Arthur Hatton. The opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the views of Fair Mormon or The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You can support this podcast by subscribing to it in iTunes and by rating it and writing a review. Questions or comments can be sent to podcast at fairmormon.org or you may join the conversation at fairblog.org.